For Arizona Public Media, I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor Emerita in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Today's guest is Arna Ekstrom, Associate Professor in Psychology. Arna's work is focused on how we know where we are and how we navigate through our environment. Thanks for joining us, Arna. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here, Leslie. I remember you as a graduate student here long ago, working on a part of the brain called the hippocampus. What is that structure in our brain all about? We think the hippocampus is a structure that subserves potentially several different functions, perhaps most fundamentally navigation and memory. We've studied the hippocampus now for uh, quite a long time and gained quite a bit of insight into how the hippocampus and the neurons which are the cells that make it up, respond to different aspects of our world. One of the things that the hippocampus responds to is the location um, that we are at as we are moving. And we can see this both in rodents and in people. So they make sort of map-like schemes. The cells in the hippocampus make maps of where we are in our local environment. It's certainly one way to think about it, yes. You went to Brandeis, then you came back here, uh, and you have sort of a new focus that is more about the direction we're looking in, the direction we're moving in. How does that play into what was already known about hippocampal circuits? I had a unique opportunity at UCLA to work with patients who had electrodes implanted into their hippocampus as part of routine monitoring for epilepsy. And to be clear, these are individuals who are relatively healthy. They have one or two seizures, maybe a month. And the idea is to try to figure out where the seizures are and take out the area that's causing it. And is it common for seizures to occur in the hippocampus? Some of the seizures do originate in the hippocampus, but typically the way that we try to deal with that from a research standpoint is to record from the hippocampus that's not impacted by the seizures. Um, and these are individuals who actually have a fairly good memory and fairly good cognition. Um, they aren't necessarily what you would think of when you think of someone who has uh, you know, chronic epilepsy. So they give you permission to record from neurons in the hippocampus. And then what kinds of experiments do you do? The types of experiments that we started out with um, works with something called virtual reality. So virtual reality is something that we experience more and more in everyday life and have pretty much come to accept as something that um, in some cases can guide our experience. Um, other examples of virtual reality that are very common right now um, are in gaming applications where you know kids all over the world and adults too um, experience environments that they could never otherwise be in medieval environments um, you know mystical environments magical environments all these sort of things so we worked with virtual reality we built cities uh, on the computer and we had our patients explore these cities while we recorded from their hippocampus and we were able to see how locations in these virtual environments that existed on the computer, how they related to the firing rates and the neural activity of their hippocampal cells. There must be all kinds of ways you can apply the, the results that you're learning from these experiments with people. Tell us about uh, some of the first things that popped to mind. I think a situation where virtual reality without having to move your body could be potentially very important and helpful would be individuals who have mobility impairments. Um, so an individual who's uh, con uh, confined to their bed or a wheelchair um, and is unable to move around very much. If we're able to render virtual environments to that individual, it may not only be enjoyable for them, they could experience mountainous environments, they could even potentially go back to their hometown and um, you know, walk around um, you know, using a joystick and experiencing things that they hadn't uh, done in a long time, but they could also start to acquire spatial knowledge. 
anytime you go back to your hometown, a place you haven't been to in a long time, you might notice that a lot of memories suddenly rush back into your head. Some of them very welcome, not all of them welcome, of course. And it suggests that space plays a strong role as a cue and uh, for anchoring our memories more generally. Sort of as a trigger for memories. Exactly. Um, and so we think that by um, having mobility impaired individuals experience spatial environments, potentially we could provide a scaffold that could be helpful for helping reverse some of the cognitive problems that they might otherwise experience from, you know, literally not being able to get out very much. Um, it's obviously no substitute in the end, but what we're looking for is therapeutic tools that could potentially be beneficial to them in some form. This is really exciting work. Thanks very much, Arna. Thanks, Leslie. We've been talking with Arna Ekstrom from Psychology about brain circuits that help us navigate our environment. You can hear this in all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert. <music>